Welcome to the Giants Huddle, a New York Giants podcast. I'm John Schmoak, and welcome to the newest edition of the Giants Huddle podcast. Today's guest, ESPN analyst and former NFL quarterback Dan Orlovsky. But first, I want to remind you, you can find the Giants Huddle podcast on the Giants mobile app, on Giants.com at Giants.com slash podcast, where we have all our podcast offerings, and of course, on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, and if you're on there, if you like what you hear, please leave a five-star positive review. It'll really help us out. Now let's get to our guest. We're joined by Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback, and of course you see him. He's ubiquitous on ESPN. Uh, Dan, I guess you're mostly on Get Up, right? And NFL Live maybe a little bit? Where, where can people find you uh, the most on ESPN these days? Yeah, I mean, Get Up, First Take, Sports Center, NFL Live. I mean, um, you know, we kind of do, do it all when we're up there, and so uh, especially now that a lot of it is remote. So really any... ESPN show that is generally focused on football, um, I am a part of in some capacity. And I hope you and your family's doing well. Everybody's safe and healthy during this uh, really weird time. Yeah, everyone's doing really well. Thank you. We, uh, you know, obviously as the weather turns for us people in the Northeast, it gets a lot better. Yeah. And uh, being outside, you know, so um, we, we're doing well. We're healthy, which we're thankful for. And hope, hopefully the same for you, man. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. We are. Thank you very much. All right, let's get to it. You put a great video up on your Twitter feed on Monday morning. You went back, you watched Daniel Jones's uh, rookie season, and the place you started was his work against man-to-man defense. Why don't you just tell the folks out there that listen to the podcast exactly what you saw? Well, you know, as I watched last year, you know, I watch every game um, as the weeks go. So I'm up and current on every team and every player, really, or at least certainly the quarterbacks and what they're doing well and, and struggling with. And, you know, as the off season got going, we did free agency and then whatnot. It was consumed with that in the draft. And so as we settled into a little bit of a back into spring, summertime, it's like, okay, okay what guys – can I really start watching more in depth and seeing the things that they do or don't do well? And so it started with some of the younger guys and I started with Daniel and, um, you know, just went with kind of no preconceived notion, just wanted to watch him play. And, you know, you start to see the differences as a player, the things he's doing well and the things that he's struggling with. And, you know, when you're watching it, my eyes go, that's, that's a nice throw versus man coverage. And, there's another nice throw in a tight window versus man coverage. And there's another, and then you keep this And my notes, you know, I, I just kind of start seeing this trend of really accurate throws versus man coverage. And so um, I watched all the tape, watched all the games over. And as I'm rolling through my notes, analytics have started to play a part. And so I contacted our research guy that I work with at ESPN. I said, Hey man, uh, and this, I do this all the time. I said, my eyes are telling me this. Uh, do the numbers say the same thing? And he came back to me and said, yeah, he was really good in man coverage. And um, so that was a really cool – I love when that happened. So it just stood out that he excelled with his ball placement and man coverage. And it got my brain racking on two things. One, I remember doing a breakdown of Daniel um, against, I want to say, Temple – uh, on get up the day after he was drafted, I said, this is his strength, that he is a very accurate thrower and a very anticipatory thrower of the football. Um, and then um, it got me thinking, man, when it comes to man coverage, the quarterback or the thing that the quarterback absolutely needs to have above pocket movement, above anticipation, above 
a strong arm. They gotta be NFL accurate. And that stood out for Daniel in, in man coverage. Yeah, you're right. And you go through the year, just look at the games he had his best games in. The Buccaneers, heavy man team. The Lions, heavy man team. Uh, the Dolph- uh, the Dolphins, he did not play in that game, but the Eagles play a lot of man. He played well against them. So, yep. yeah, you're, you're 100% right, and I tracked that during the year, too. When you look at that, and, and I also think when teams play man against him, Dan, it helps him with some of his weaknesses because I feel like he's a lot more decisive, and he gets rid of the ball much quicker mm-hmm. against man because he knows what he's seeing. Well, that, that's the case for, I mean, basically every quarterback. So, I, you know, I want to be fair to him as well. I of mean, course. This is, that's why teams flex the tight ends out so much or flex the tailbacks out so much because they get those indicators pre-snap. And I've always said, then it becomes recess football. On the playground, I pick that guy first, I'm going to throw him the ball a bunch. And so you're really just trying to find that matchup that you like. And he did a really good job with that. And I also think, you know, some of their skill players played – I mean, Slayton played bigger than expectation. Golden certainly was a very strong player. Ingram, when healthy, played really well. And so, you know, I, when when the quarterback knows before the snap, okay, I've got man coverage, or has a really good inkling or an idea of it, then it's really about just making sure that the guy that you chose, he wins, right? Now, a win in the NFL, it's very difficult for a fan to understand what a win in the <laughs> NFL looks like, you know, like, uh, a win in college football, you know, a guy's three or four yards of separation. A win in the NFL means that your guy is in front of the defender in whatever capacity, whether he's running out, whether he's breaking in, yeah. coming back to you, that there is, um, I guess, a body of separation, you know, that, that the defender is not in between the quarterback and the receiver. Now, that's not a lot of separation, but that's open in the NFL, and that's why – I always have said this. Every guy in the NFL is accurate. Every player in the NFL is accurate at that position. It's the NFL. The guys that become good players, really good players, great players, special players, has NFL accuracy, meaning I could throw the ball in a four-inch by four-inch box, and the defender really doesn't matter. I'm that accurate of a thrower. And I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is there yet, Mm -hmm. but you can definitely see the comfort when he was throwing the football versus man coverage and the confidence in him throwing the football when it was leaving his hand, and it showed with the with the accuracy. Yeah, Dan, and I think it goes back to something that we talked about last year around draft time. You know, he wasn't exactly throwing to CeeDee Lamb when he was playing at Duke. <laughs> I mean, these guys at Duke that he was throwing to, they were not really creating a lot of separation. So I almost think the yeah. fact that he played at a smaller program without great talent actually got him a little prepared for these NFL windows he's seeing now. Yeah, and I think, you know, that was probably part of my, uh, you know, mis-evaluation, if you want to say, with Daniel, is I probably undervalued how poor those players around him were. Um, and I did a Duke game, and I just didn't feel like those guys were that bad of players, and I don't want to knock those guys. Now, I, I do – I love the fact that you brought up windows um, and, and the different windows you're seeing because as much as he excelled in the man coverage, there's not really windows that much in man coverage. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. there is, there's a window sometimes with a, a hole defender, a guy hanging in – but a lot of times it's just you're throwing to a spot and it's a one-on-one type thing. I do believe that watching his tape – 
he really needs, and this would be the number one thing, more than the turnover, more than the fumbles in the pocket, he will fix that stuff. I, I would bet my, a lot of money that he will fix that stuff this offseason. The number one thing that if I was a Giants fan, I would be watching is, does the arm strength take, take a little step forward? I, I, listen, I don't, he doesn't need to become, you know, uh, he doesn't need to have a howitzer on his shoulder, but the <laughs> windows in the zone coverage that are smaller to begin with and close faster, that is when you need to have a strong enough arm. And I do think that is where I watch the tape and I go, I, that's got to improve. That's got to get better for him to really take a next step and, and be like, wow, this, this dude's on his way to being a really, really good player. We're joined by Dan Orlovsky. Now, is that a matter of, Dan, of working on your arm, or is that like twerking the hips? Is that footwork? How does a quarterback go about trying to get a little bit more velocity, a little bit more spin on his passes, trying to get those balls downfield? Yeah, it's really starting from the ground up and working back to the ground. You know, a lot of arm strength or push starts from the, the, the push that you can generate off the ground. If you think of a baseball pitcher right. and the rubber that he has, a lot of those guys, are, are, are these, these guys that are these thick side guys that use that to push and generate force and that drives the ball. So part of that is, is, is him being a little bit more grounded in, 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 in figuring out a ways to, to generate force off the ground. Then it is this turn and this torque uh, through his core and his upper body. Now, some guys are fast twitch guys and some guys are long and linear guys. And so you don't want to become consumed by it, but all these little adjustments that you can make, some, it's, it's a little bit of the left arm ripping down to, to start that turn. If you think of a golfer turning around on his driver, you want to turn around the ball to generate force. Some of it is just building up that shoulder and that capsule. A lot of it is the wrist and the forearm and generating that wrist and forearm strength and snap and then working back down through the body. You know, and so, again, all these, there's so much science behind this nowadays. I'm sure he's on top of it. And um, I, I would expect that they will see, you know, he's not going to come out here and look like, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes with his arm, but I would expect that the arm strength is going to be improved. All right, you talked about him against man. What did you see from Jones when he faced some zone defenses over the course of his rookie year? Yeah, I mean, obviously, one, there was confusion. There was some confusion. Of course. Duh. Yeah. Expected. <laughs> you know, that's. Welcome to the NFL. Welcome to seeing NFL defenses. And, and the reality is this. Zone defenses in the NFL, they really change. There is no just boring cover three. There is. But then this team plays it with the corners overlapping. And this team plays it with the seam guys carrying down the field. And then this team plays it with an adjustment to the backside. And this team plays it carrying number three down the seam. You know, all these different zone adjustments and seeing them over and over and over and over again when we're talking about anticipation throws. That's what's needed against zone coverage. If, if people can imagine man coverage, it's guy, guy versus guy, right? And I just wait for my guy to win, or I think he wins, and I rip it. Zone, I don't have uh, one set of eyes on me. I've got six sets of eyes on me, seven sets of eyes on me. And so those windows – you know, I've, I've got to understand just the little things about that defense because if I understand, okay, this team plays cover three with the will linebacker carrying number three vertical, that means that my backside receiver breaking in has got a really good chance at an in-breaking route, and that drop-down safety defender that's in the boundary, I know he's my problem, 
therefore I can get the ball out quicker, right? I, I, I can anticipate more and I can throw it to a spot more and therefore the arm strength isn't really a factor. Now the next week, oh, they, okay, this team, they're, they're trying to just knock the number three defender and they're going to carry it with the mic and the will's going to push the field. And now I've got a different hole that I have to figure out, a different defender that I have to move. Those are all those little things that um, I don't want to sit there and say Daniel Jones struggled with. There's a learning curve. This is the learning curve. And I think that that was the biggest thing was seeing those things, understanding those things, and then applying those things. And it's a very different world of, okay, now I watched it on tape and I saw it. Hey, Daniel, do you understand that? Yeah, coach, I got that. I see how they're playing that. All right, now let's get on the board. All right, let's draw it on the board. And now when this team plays this zone, this is really the number one guy that's going to be an issue with this concept. I've got to figure out a way to move him, manipulate him. The ball should go number one to number two to number three. Now let's go walk through it on the field. All right, now I'm seeing it. This looks this way. Yep, this is the defense. Okay, that's the defender I have to move. Now let's go execute it in practice. Let's go execute it in the game, right, with everything on the line. And that is what the maturation process looks. That's what the learning curve is. And so versus zone, confused a little bit. And then, two, just getting a, a really good understanding of his receivers. Okay, Golden sits in the holes this way. Mm. Uh, Darius Slinger runs through the holes this way. Ingram runs through the holes this way. You know, and, and so Shep runs through the holes, really likes to sit versus the color. And so those guys really getting on the same page is a massive. And that's when people say timing, I've never really believed in timing. It's seeing it the same way. And it's imperative that Daniel starts to see things the same way those receivers do. And then it's imperative the receivers see the same thing the way the, 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 the way Daniel does. And then three, the arm strength. You know, the, the, the arm strength through those windows. Because, again, you got six, seven eyes looking at you, right? And so you got 12 or 14 different eyeballs that are – when you put that foot in the ground and that arm starts to go back, someone's, someone's driving. Some, someone is, is making their calculated, educated guess that ball is coming out here, and that's where – You've got to be so fast and so efficient and so on top. One more question about his rookie year, Dan, then I want to look ahead to his sophomore season with the new coaching structure around him. You talked about, you know, p- protecting the ball, the fumbles. You know, I think a lot of that comes down to pocket awareness, right, and, and fueling the pressure and getting rid of the ball quicker. Uh, for a quarterback, how hard is it to improve in those areas? Or, I, I don't know, to, to me, I think a lot of that will kind of be instinctual and what they call, quote-unquote, feeling the rush and just, you know, processing quicker to get rid of the ball faster. You know, where do you think and how do you think he needs to get better um, to fix some of those issues where I think a lot of the turnover issues kind of start for him? Yeah, first of all, stronger. Get stronger in the weight room. That, that is, I was with Matthew Stafford when he was right in the back end of the younger part of his career and hitting the middle part of his career, he was having fumbling issues. And he just emphasized that every day we did drills in practice. He hit the weight room hard. You know, he got under squat rack and squatted. Now people go, wait, that's your lower half. Not necessarily. You know, put, put 315 pounds on your back and squat and see what it does to your core. I mean, it's going to strengthen your core. It's going to strengthen your upper back sitting on there. So get stronger in the weight room. Build up those forearms. Everything we did was about ball security in the pocket. We did stuff in the weight room and then on the field drills every single day. He emphasized it, and he got a lot better at it. So that's a big commitment, and I'm sure Daniel is doing that. Can you get better at it? Yes. Uh, do you? Is it something that is instinctual? Absolutely. Um, 
are you going to become a completely different player in that regard in an offseason? No, that's completely unrealistic and it's not going to happen. But you can definitely improve it. And I try to get people, you know, like the average throw in the NFL is 2.5 seconds, right? Okay. Now imagine the difference in 2.3 seconds. I mean, that's two-tenths of a second. <laughs> that, that's the average throw or the average time to the ball getting out on time. And I want everyone just – if they can imagine those defensive ends that come around the edge and they have that arm stretched out and they're just straining for the quarterback, straining to get the ball, those guys are a tenth of a second or two-tenths of a second away from a sack, a sack fumble, getting a piece of the jersey. Now, the little increment that you can make with understanding the defense and moving in the pocket better and feeling a little bit better, the little bit can, can you can get better. Can you get two-tenths of a second better? Because that sometimes is the difference, right? Like, that's... That's still a little bit of a difference. So you're not going to see this massive jump, but you don't need to. You need to get that two-tenths of a second faster so that strain doesn't get there and that sack fumble doesn't get there and it just misses. That's the emphasis for the offseason for him in regards to that. And, and I'm sure it's a focal point. They will do drill after drill after drill after drill. And it's just like anything. Um, the more you see it, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get in it. And that will take, you know, the, the instinctual comfort aspect of it. If he grinds on it, he will improve on. Um, and I'm confident that he'll get stronger in the weight room. So, Dan, for a quarterback, generally speaking, I don't want to use the word easy, but how much more comfortable are you when you're in the NFL for that second season as compared to the rookie year when kind of everything is going a million miles an hour and a million things are getting thrown at you every day? Yeah, where, where are you from? I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Okay, you're from Brooklyn, New York, and I imagine you still live in New York. So um, let's imagine that I took you, and right now your everyday life, and you don't have any prior training in this or any type of education in this, and I brought you to um, a, a foreign country that speaks only that language. Yeah. There's no English-speaking people around, and I just dropped you there. I don't know what country we want to say. Let's say... Um, uh, somewhere in South America. Okay. I drop you there. And there's no English speaking. I, I don't give you any help. I don't give you a book. I don't, <laughs> hey, go, go live. Go survive. You're going to struggle. Like, you're going to struggle. You're going to sit there and go, what, what, do I, how do, how, what am I going to do? How do I just get through today? How do I get a meal? All that stuff. That's what it's like playing quarterback in the NFL as a rookie. That's what it's like just getting thrusted in there and going, I don't even know how to get to tonight. Now, imagine that I told you, hey, uh, I'm going to get you Rosetta Stone, and we're going to, you know, kind of <laughs> engulf you in this culture for two months back home. We're going to put you around people that are, you know, of that culture, native to that tongue. And I give you, you know, six to eight months of just, in, you know, engulfing yourself into that. And you learn the language and the things that are important of that culture and all that stuff. And then I send you to that country. You're going to walk in there going, all right, I can do this. I feel pretty good. I've kind of experienced this already in a certain way. Maybe not in this exact location, but I experienced it. That's what it's like for a second-year quarterback. That's, what, that, that's the, okay, the confidence level that that second-year quarterback has. Now, the asterisk, the asterisk is new coaching staff, yep. right? Mm -hmm. and so how, how quickly can he – uh, understand what they're going to implement, and then I mean, this is a big deal to me. I, how quickly do the coaches understand the player and, and get the player mm. and get what the player does well and doesn't do well? 
You know, and I think one of the great examples of of present day football right now is the Ravens. And the Ravens obviously said this 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 kid Lamar Jackson is remarkable at all these things. He's not great at some of this stuff, but he's remarkable at all this stuff. Let's just do a ton of the stuff he's remarkable at. We don't have to do all the stuff he's not great at right now. But we don't need that right now. Let's just do the stuff he's great at. And so as quickly as kind of both those parties can figure it out, but he'll be way more comfortable um, going into his second year. Now, Joe Judge and Jason Garrett, Dan, have both been very clear they want to build their schemes and offenses around their players. But generally speaking, how much different is the type of system that Garrett has traditionally run in Dallas to the type of stuff he did with Pat Shermer last year in New York? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be massively different. Different, You know, I think Pat did a really – Pat had a, a, a good understanding of the multitude of weapons and trying to get the multitude of people to football. Garrett's a, always had a guy. You know, Garrett's always had a dominant guy, whether it was Gaz Bryant or Amari Cooper, Jason Witten. They've always had a really big focal point. And the offense kind of spew, started there and then spewed from that guy. And I believe that the coaches that are really good in the NFL right now, it's about um, finding the fifth score in the basketball court. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. that, that. If you watch, if you watch the Chiefs play and the Eagles play and uh, a Rams team play, these coaches find the third and fourth guy. It doesn't always have to be their go-to guy. And I would like to see if Jason Garrett really kind of dives into that and implements a little bit more of that. Where's my fifth score? I know that. I know that Golden Kate can take a win in the slot. I'm aware of that. And I know that Shep can win in the slot. Slayton seems to be a problem. But who, where's my, Ingram's a matchup guy, but where's my fifth score? Because then you want to craft all those things around, you know, okay, if I put my fifth score out there, you better have five DBs that can match up, guys. Right. If you don't, my guy's going to win. Okay, cool. You want to bring a guy you want to bring one of your better guys in to go to my fifth guy. Well, now my third guy's better than your guy, you know? And so it's all about trying to find the weakness of, the, uh, you know, having enough people on your team to find the weakness of a defense. Now talking about Jones learning the offense and the coaches learning Jones to your point, what's the impact here? And we're probably not going to know this until September, October, Dan, but what's the impact of not being able to be on the field with these guys in the spring and even being in person for meetings compared to the virtual stuff that they've had to do for the last couple months? Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, I've said this. The teams that have the veteran quarterbacks are a big advantage uh, because those, those guys are the bona fide leaders, and they've been through it, and they, they've got years under their belt, and, and players have confidence that just because we have that guy, we're going to be okay through this. Now, these younger quarterbacks, and Daniel Jones obviously won, like they're just starting to plant their flags. They're just starting to really take over and be, this is my franchise. You know, and I know there is this, there is the lack of ego and this is our team. There's no question about that. But at the end of the day, you're the CEO of the billion dollar company. And it'd be nice to have the CEO of the billion dollar company having face to face interaction with, with his people. The reality is that's not there. And so, um, it's just, it's the little things. It's the sitting in the meeting room at six o'clock in the morning together, grinding on tape and getting, you know, you don't watch tape together. You study tape together. How does he study? I want to know how he studies. How does this kid study when he's watching tape? Is there a way that I can help him study better? And okay, coach, how do you watch tape? 
You you know, like, how are we going to game plan watching tape? How are we going to practice through the season? Is Wednesday going to be our regular install? Are we going to do red zone and, and third down on Thursday? All those things. And then being on the field, some of the greatest growth for players, let alone quarterbacks, but for players is in between plays, in between periods. Daniel, why the heck did you throw that ball over there? <laughs> hey, man, that was, a, or that was a beautiful read. Tell me how you saw that. Yep. All that stuff. Hey, hey coach, uh, listen, I, I like taking three-step drop out of the gun. I don't feel comfortable taking a five-step. Daniel, you're getting too deep in your gun drop. You know, like all those little things in between plays, they miss out on. And it's just, it, it, um, yeah, they're we're, they're gonna we're gonna ask players to walk and run in certain systems before they've had, ever had the chance to crawl and fall, and there's gonna be that growing pain there, and, and kind of whatever team I guess handles it with their younger quarterback the best certainly will start this season in an advantage. Dan, final two questions, big picture ones. When you go back and you think about everything that was said about Jones coming out of college, uh, what do you think he proved wrong about some of that analysis in that rookie year? Uh, now that you've basically watched every snap he took on tape over the past couple of days. Yeah, and I was one of those people. Um, it, you know, I would say this. Through one season, uh, Daniel Jones is more talented just as a base talent than I gave him credit for. Again, I think I undervalued the lack of people around him and how, how poor they were. Um, I think the toughness the, that that was displayed – I, the personality was a thing for me. Like I, I, I think his personality was one that was endearing to guys on his football team. He obviously handled a wildly unique situation pretty darn well. Yeah, you think? Uh, but just like, <laughs> I, yeah, I just think the um, maybe the, un, the the foundational talent is better than I certainly gave him credit for. Um, and you know, I, I that that's a testament to the work and the character of him. I do believe we got to give young quarterbacks three years to figure out what they really are. And so, and I've said this, and I've said this when Daniel was drafted, he can't be good. You know, he can't be good because the sixth pick of the draft can't be good. You got to go be great. And, um, you know, he certainly laid a really, really promising start. And the second year will be part of his story. Yeah, and then final question, just wh- how optimistic should Giant fans be right now? What what should they be thinking about their rookie quarterback heading into year two, milestones they should look for, and just the overall confidence level that the Giants do have their next franchise quarterback? Yeah, I would be very, very optimistic. You know, what about his game? Do you sit there and go, uh-oh? You know, like, you know, I, I very optimistic. Again, context matters. He was thrust into a wild situation and the team wasn't crazy talented and went out and played some good football and played some promising football now play better when it matters more against good defenses and that is not going to happen overnight this is a developmental position Giants fan as wild as this or crazy as this is going to sound you got to remain patiently impatient you know you got to be impatient because you want to win right now and you got to dynamic tailback that's not getting any younger but there is a patient aspect to that position in the development of it and so you want them to play bigger football um against better teams against better defenses when it matters more and more consistency obviously valuing the football and um you know just continuing to take the developmental steps and sometimes when you need to carry the football team. 
can you? That will be always be the question for the quarterbacks. Can you? When the number one receiver is out, or the offensive line stinks today, or the defense got a 30-burger hung on them, can you carry the team? And um, to have moments like that this season, I would, I would, you want your quarterback to be in there, and you want him to do that. Dan, it'll be fun to see the Giants' season. Hopefully, knock on wood, it starts on time. Their first three opponents, the Steelers, the Bears, and the 49ers. So we're going to oh. learn, <laughs> learn a lot in those first three games, man. Oh, man, that is not an easy way to start. Good luck, number eight. Good luck. <laughs> Don't read the comments on social media, bud. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, that was tremendous, man. We appreciate it. Get back to the family. Thanks so much. We love your work, and we'll talk to you down the road. I appreciate you, bud. Be safe. Be well. That was Dan Orlowski from ESPN, former NFL quarterback. What a great job breaking down Daniel Jones and what he has done so far in the NFL and what's ahead for him in year number two under a new offensive coordinator in Jason Garrett. For Dan Orlovsky, I'm John Schmelk. That's the Giant Subtle Podcast. Thank you for being with us. Again, you can find the Giant Subtle Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a positive review on the Giants mobile app, and you can find it on Giants.com. Just go to Giants.com slash podcast, where you can find all of our podcast offerings, including Big Blue Kickoff, our daily show every weekday at noon, where we take calls from fans, Giants Rewind with Carl Banks, where we talk to... Ring of Honor member Carl Banks about the New York Football Giants, and we get his analysis. And, of course, the Giants Little Podcast, which you are listening to right now with Dan Orlovsky. I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle. Stay safe, everyone.